Oh yeah, guess who's back for Spooktober? That's right, M3E is back, ladies and gentlemen. And we're getting into October and some spooky, spooky, ghoulish stuff. So, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Right up front, patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast, three, five, and ten dollar tiers. I appreciate every Patreon that supports. Now, I'm going to tell you, five dollars is the best bang for your buck. Ten dollars is a super supporter. Three dollars only gets you the Wednesday episode, okay, in its entirety. I would say just sign up for the five dollar tier. I mean, heck, you spend more at Starbucks in a day. Come on. Five bucks for a whole entire month of episodes? Gah. Child's play, right? <laughs> you like that? Like like that little pun? You know, oh, look at Chucky. Anyway, so yes, patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast. Yeah, just sign up and support your boy. Now let's get on to the uh, the conspiracy theme soap. Oh, you want your butthole to smell good? It gets rid of the ghosts? Yeah, not me. I like a good smelling butthole. Preferably my wife's. Uh, just saying. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, we'll leave it at that. But you can have a great smelling butthole with our conspiracy theme soap. And you can get them at DangerousWorldPodcast.com. You can buy one bar for $6 or four bars for 20 You do the math. All right? Now, let's move on to your pet wellness, okay? You got pets that have anxiety. They get uh, boo-boos, and they need to heal, or they have dry pads or dry noses. That's where Pure Pet Wellness comes in. Go to purepetwellness.com and enter Ghost at checkout, and you get 20% off your entire order. I use this on my dogs all the time, and I even use the balm on my cuts that I get because I'm, I'm a bull in the china closet. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm constantly coming home with injuries because I'm, I'm, I'm a klutz. Okay? Wife uses it the same. My wife, they even sell a little chapstick thing. My wife uses that on her, on her lips for, for chap lips. I'm not going to tell you how she gets it, but gets them, but... She uses it, and, you know, especially this time of year. Anyway, so, yeah, go to purepetwellness.com and her ghost at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your entire order. Now, this is going to be a revisit of last year, okay? Teaser for Spooktober. Yes, we're going to revisit Paranormal Theory with Chaz of the Dead. I'm going to release the full episode, Okay. I normally don't do that. You normally only get the first hour. But I'm releasing the full episode, and if you like the full episode and you want to hear the full episode, that's where Patreon comes in. So sit back. Chaz has a lot to offer, and uh, I need to I need to get in touch with him again and, and get him on because he, he's just... He's, he's a wealth of knowledge on so many things. So sit back and enjoy this episode, and thank you for being patient. M3E is back.
is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration. That we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream. And we are the imagination of ourselves. Trying open your thought, truth, and reality. Questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome, Welcome to, to my third eye. If you take their belief systems that they had then, it it almost lines up to what we know today as aliens, well, it, paranormal the ghosts, whatever. That, the big portion, a big portion of that is because Chile is one of the only countries that has a government branch that's one hundred percent above board, public info that investigates UFOs. It's actually Chile and France are the only two countries. Um, that like publish their UFO videos when they film them. Welcome back to another spooky episode. Uh, this episode, I have Chaz of the Dead coming on to speak paranormal theory. Uh, do bear in mind that he was experiencing some audio difficulties on his end. So I did my best to up his uh, audio channel uh, on post-production. So hopefully I did did, did a good job. Um, but we, we get into... To some pretty good theories on on paranormal and some of his experiences and and what have you. Uh, if you want the full episode, please make sure you sign up at patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast. Five dollars gets you talk at the tavern and we every week's full length episode. Uh, if you just want the full length episode, that's a three dollar tier. So five dollars, uh, two extra bucks can't go wrong. Uh, if you have any type of I don't know, story, anything, a topic, you want to be on the show, hit me up, mythirdipod at gmail.com, or find me on Instagram, uh, that's mythirdipodcast, you can DM me, and I'll get back to you, so I hope you like this third installment for Spooktober, uh, and next week, I'm going to try to drop an episode on Halloween itself, so you might get to two episodes that week. I'm going to do my best. So don't hold me to it, but, uh, 
if I can keep grinding and keep plugging in the guests the way that I think I can, uh, you should get an extra little scary episode that I will probably just release the full length free uh, on Halloween. I won't put it behind a paywall. So uh, having said that, thank you guys over there at Patreon for all the support. Make sure anybody that listens to this, like, share, uh, share, and and if if I didn't say share, share again. You know, come on, uh, let people know. Yeah, you know, helps my show grow. And get, go over to iTunes and give a five star rating and review. If you don't want to do that, go to Spotify. You hit the five star and you walk away. E- easy as that. So, um, I will get out of here, and I hope you enjoy this third installment of Spooktober with Chaz of the Dead. ladies and gentlemen welcome back i am joined once again uh you've heard him on talk at the tavern uh he has been on the show on an episode that has not been yet released uh probably would have been released this month however it's october and we like to get spooky so i have returning guests Chaz of the dead Chaz, how are you hey what's going on glad to be here ready to get spooky (laughs) all right um the only thing just going forward you might have to speak up just a little bit louder just so you the your your computer can pick up the the audio but we were having technical yeah. issues people so you know bear with us not everything goes according to plan oh yeah it's been a, a month of, of technical issues over here too the new mic's not working everything's going crazy but you know what we persevere we power through <laughs> absolutely absolutely so how you been I've been good. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, events because, you know, it is the spooky season. And so this is probably the one time I'm actually busy as a paranormal investigator. The rest of the time, it's kind of, you know, your own hours. But uh, October, it it does pick up a little bit. So I've been doing um, some events. Um, I've got one this um, October 22nd coming up this weekend. Um, I'm be presenting at the North, uh, the North Florida Paracon in Tallahassee. So nice. Uh, if you're in the area, go check it out. Or you might be hearing this too late, but if nope, you this were be... there, it was great to see you. <laughs> nope, this will be coming out this week. So, oh, perfect, perfect. So go check that out. Um, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun, exciting. I'm also in the middle of a house move though, so that's always chaos. Um, so you know. We're, I'm, I'm glad to be taking a, a little bit of a time, a little bit of a break here to uh, sit back, have some smokes, have some drinks, and tell some spooky stories. <laughs> well, I thank you for the last minute uh, the confirmation last night. I, I'm sitting there, and I was like, fuck, I need to have Chaz on because, you know, and, and I just threw it out there as a long shot because I know you're busy. You have, you're always have a lot of things going on, whether it's, you know, 
spooky season or not, you know, you're, you're a busy man. You're like, hell yeah, I'm free tomorrow. And I'm like, yes. I was like, and then I started kind of telling my, my wife, I was like, you should see how this guy goes on paranormal adventures and ghost hunts. And she's like, why? I said, well, sometimes he trips balls and goes and, and, and searches for, for the paranormal and, and UFOs and all sorts of shit. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, fuck yeah. I was like, it's, it's fucking amazing. And he gets good results. So, Yeah, it's, it's certainly um, it's a, a novel approach and it has left led to some uh, shenanigans. But I do think it's, it's one of the more intriguing um, areas of research. And, you know, I'm not alone. There's kind of a, a new school era of paranormal investigators out there uh, kind of testing out these ideas. Uh, not so many as bold as me to, to get real, real high at these places, but <laughs> still steps in the right direction. You're seeing more psilocybin experiments. You're seeing more, um, you know, things like the Estes method and these um, experiments that mimic the trance state and, you know, just a general recognition that there's something something consciousness based um happening when it comes to the paranormal it's not simply you know ghouls and goblins like like we've previously um thought but something more while it, it is physical it certainly has a more consciousness based existence the uh the majority of the time and so yeah i, I like to uh to push the limits of of both you know, investigating these locations and also these kind of consciousness experiments. And I, I do think the, the marriage of the two is going to uh, lead to some, um, hopefully some some breakthroughs in the paranormal. But so far, it at least led to some very interesting stories. So <laughs> nice. it's been a, a fun journey. <laughs> so what initially got you into paranormal investigation? Because it's it's not everybody's gig like for me i i've had paranormal experiences i've seen you know apparitions ghosts whatever you want to call them when i was younger and it wasn't until probably after starting the podcast and maybe a year or two before that i started really kind of embracing that side of of what i'm able to experience so to speak that i've kind of drawn myself back into it and I actually went on my first um, I guess you could say ghost adventure down in, in yeah. Gettysburg. And well, hold on, that one might be trademarked. You might have to, to Yeah, not that. not ghost adventure. I went on my own ghost journey. How's that sound? There you go. Yeah. But uh and 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 it was fun and it, it conquered it, it, it allowed me to 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 look some of my fears in the face, like basements. Don't like east coast old school old building basements okay a yeah. they're small as fuck I'm a, I'm a tall dude and b they're usually really really old and we went into uh, a basement that was built in the 1800s in an old orphanage and it, it's a famous story and i didn't feel scared it, to the point where i looked at my buddy i'm like we need to go on more of these like i'm, I'm digging oh, yeah. this and <laughs> so what got you into it well, um, I think like a lot of people, my first kind of foray into the paranormal was was because of a, a personal experience. Um, when I was a kid, I was um, uh, sleeping on this bottom bunk. My parents had just built these bunk beds. And my older brother, being the oldest, he got the top bunk, and I got the, the bottom bunk. And um, before this little preamble, important for the story, 
my brother slept on that same bed and then they added the bunk and he, he moved up. So one night, not after this move, I'm, I'm sleeping and I roll out of bed, land on the ground, wake up. And there's this pair of red eyes staring at me from underneath the bed. And it was, you know, this classic kind of almost like a Halloween graphic when I remember it now in my head, kind of flaming at the edges, pointed upward, like something you'd carve into to a pumpkin. And, mm-hmm. you know, being a kid, I hop back in bed and put the blanket over my head and, uh, you know, I'm safe. I ride it out till morning. Um, well, morning arrives and I'm young, but I'm still rational. So I start looking under the bed and, you know, the safety of the daylight for anything electronic, anything that could, you know, give a red light or a glow, like a power switch, anything like that. And my older brother, he's coming down the ladder and sees what I'm doing. Without me saying anything or prompting, he says, did you see the red eyes too? And he said it, I could feel the like apprehension in his voice. And um, to this day, he he remembers that being a bizarre incident. And, you know, part of my mind holds out that like maybe on our deathbeds, he's going to be like, yeah, it was just a prank, bro. Gotcha. But uh, (laughs) I was always the prankster in, in my family. And, you know, when you pull a prank, the best part is the reveal. So, uh, he's been pretty good about not revealing it if if it was indeed a prank. And either way, at this point, my paranormal journeys is so far gone that um, you know I'm, I'm I'm here and I'm here to stay. <laughs> uh, but that was really the first kind of kind of initial experience, and it um, for me it was like oh shit, even if that was just you know a shared dream or something simplistic that's still paranormal, you know, whatever explanation for it, other than the prank one, it has to be paranormal. And it's not like I did grow up in a haunted house. There really was a one-off kind of experience. And so I still lean towards it being a, a shared dream. Um, but still, that's that defies our known logic, our known physics, or everything we know about uh, consciousness. That That mm-hmm. is that odd with all of that. So for me, it was this moment where wow, all of this shit could be true. One of them definitely true because I saw it. <laughs> but all of this stuff could be true. Um, and it was weird. My my older brother kind of had an opposite reaction. He was very, um, and still is, very analytical, very reason-based. We've done some psychedelics, though, and he's opened his mind. But <laughs> uh, still, he's a chemist. He's a scientific, analytical mind. And after that event, he did not want to entertain anything you know, ooky spooky. He was freaked out by it. Um, and that's still, I think, the reaction you find today with people, um, especially if they've had a genuine paranormal experience. You'll you'll either have this, uh, like this knowing, this oneness, um, a very similar sensation to you get when you take psychedelics. You know, I'm one with the universe. Um, you know, you see a ghost and it shows you that there is life after death. Um, you see an alien and you realize we're part of a cosmic community, space love, space love and uh, space communism. Uh, or you have the opposite reaction, where it is the most terrifying experience of your life. Um, and again, those are the two reactions you get under psychedelics. It's either peace, love, and happiness or utterly terrifying. <laughs> um, and there's a little wiggle room in between, but those are certainly the two extremes. And that is is the case with the paranormal. That certainly seems to to ring true, um, no matter the subset of phenomenon you're talking about, whether it's Bigfoot, 
or poltergeist. Those are the two big takeaways. People are either it's evidence of something higher or it's absolutely terrifying. Um, and of course, it could be both. But I think it's important to note those those reactions. Oh, of course. Um, if people probably know, okay, obviously you're in Florida. So how close are to or are you to Key West? And you uh, probably actually, you might know where I'm Gainesville. Okay, so you might know where I'm going with this question. Um, have you made it down to the mu- museum that is there? Yeah, um, I, I have not in, um, it was years ago, and it was more when I was, my my investigations, I had like a little blog going, but it was much more of a hobby than what it is now. So I actually do have an experiment I've designed for that museum, but I, I haven't been able to get my hands on the material. Um, but yes, that, uh, what is it, that, the Maritime Museum down there, I believe, or maybe I'm mixing the name up, but it uh, has Robert the Doll. Yeah, that's Robert the uh, Doll, the fort. Oh, uh, what was it? Who, fort. who kicks the shit out of Annabelle, by the way. Annabelle completely made up nonsense. The Warrens went to a Walmart and bought that doll. See, uh, and that's Robert kind of... the Doll is the real deal. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's kind of what, what I've come accustomed to is because when we were trying to it's called the uh fort east uh martello museum in key west um, i would have never got that <laughs> i only you. know it because i have it in my notes in front of me um, prepared. <laughs> well it was from a different show we, we just did last friday but um i've always been uh not i wouldn't say obsessed but super curious about robert because you know even my like i i found a really good documentary um this past saturday that i was watching on robert and it it gives both sides you know could it could robert have been uh come to life because robert eugene otto gave who who eventually went by eugene otto gave him his first name or was it the um the maid uh the practice voodoo or black magic Kurt, I am of that one. That one always feels, uh, and it happens a lot, especially here in, in Florida lore, and just lore in the South, yeah. where it's always the slave did it. Mm-hmm. And that always, like, uh, that never really sits right with me. <laughs> no. But when you look into the, the, the backstory of that, though, she apparently, rumoredly, had an affair with uh, Eugene's father right. and had a kid and then the kid died or what whatever i mean it may, it may makes for good cinema um we did cover um annabelle as well and when i was reading through the notes the movie started flashing back and i'm like wait a minute something's not right because we covered annabelle and then we co- covered Susie doll and in the movie they mixed them both together and i'm like something oh, yeah. right here and i'm like and and i even said that when, when we were covering there's a lot of speculation and controversy that surrounds the warrants were they legit were oh, yeah. were they full of shit and the more i dig into it i think they were full of shit oh yeah i don't i don't mince words anyone who follows me in the paranormal community knows i'm not a fan of the warrants um and I, i'm sure you've heard about ed's mistress um he had this 
this underage girl was staying with Ed and Lorraine for a while, and she's come out these years later saying that there was a a sexual relationship there that um, both both members were uh, Lorraine and Ed were consenting um, to. And actually, ironically, the reason this whole thing came to light is because as part of the stipulations to make the Conjuring movie, there was this weird byline that said, you're not allowed to talk about Ed and Lorraine's sex life whatsoever. They can, you can't show them in a marital bed. You can't do any of that. N- none of that. That won't. None of that's allowed. Mm. And so someone was like, well, why? Yeah. So they started to dig into it and discovered this woman who's like, oh, yeah, I was 16 and I was having sex with Ed. <laughs> so, oh, shit. Um, no, he, the whole Christian propaganda thing he had going on was was exactly that. He was, um, you know, on the same level with with Joel Olstein uh-huh. nowadays. You know, he was he was trying to run a super church. He wasn't very concerned with um, you know paranormal activity or anything like that. There's actually an interesting tale from the Amityville horror, um, which you know the the people behind that haunting as well that story lots of controversy lots of um you know did they fake it stuff surrounding that but i always think the most interesting part is when um ed and lorraine visited the guy um um, not the defeos that was the murder family i can't remember the haunting family off the top of my head but the guy who supposedly if you believe the skeptics made up the amityville haunting he's like oh yeah no the 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 warrens came they visited the house they stayed for like 20 minutes did a little tour and then left and then two years later i read this book by them that says uh lorraine was having this battle with demonic forces in the basement and all that shit and he was like well if she was doing any of that i didn't see it like she did it all (laughs) straight faced and she never changed her tone she never broke a sweat (laughs) so no you you have and again he's a debated fraudster as well so but you have these these tales surrounding the warrens constantly that you know they they were full of shit and honestly that's why their content makes the best scary movies is because it's made up it, right. it has all the 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 makings of a fictional story it has your your tension building it has your battle with the demon at the end and then it has them saving the day and anyone who's done a paranormal investigation just knows that's just not what, what no. goes on. <laughs> you, you go there and you, you hope to get a micro piece of evidence that can, you know, be tested and verified. Um, and usually you don't. <laughs> and that's, that's the gig. <laughs> it does not surprise me. And and you made a, a, a key, key point with like Joe Olstein, you know, you had, uh, the flooding that happened back in Texas or whatever it was. And uh, no worries. We're, we're a fan of dogs here. Uh, I have currently three. Okay. I, I'm, I'm puppy sitting my, my stepson's uh, puppy right now. And uh, she, she may go nuts. Who knows? But uh, yeah, you know, dog friendly here. So, um, but you know, he didn't want to, he, he didn't want to open his church or anything to, to any of the, the, the victims of the flood for places to sleep. And then lo and behold, I think it was his church. Someone was renovating a bathroom and knocked out a wall and found a lot of money. And it was like, Oh yeah. Just piles of cash. Hit. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Just, so, just like any man of God would have yeah. stashed in his church. <laughs> and, 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 you know, no matter what your belief, you know, to my audience, you know, it, you know where I stand. I, it, that's just the trouble I, I find with modern day Christianity and, and these people that try to push it and oh, yeah. shove it down your throat. But back Capitalist to, Christianity yes. is a, a good term for it. And it's yes. the, the majority of it has become that. Where and you know the Warrens were kind of the they they were on the cutting edge of that they were uh-huh. leaders when yeah. it comes to that but you have it throughout all your your communities you know all your niche churches and especially here in the U.S. where we have all kinds of weird brands of Protestantism we don't have to listen to the Pope and his weird witchcraft anyone can come out there and make up whatever witchcraft they want and put a cross on it and sell it for whichever price they decide. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm an occultist myself. I, I believe in, you know, uh, obtaining a, a solo spiritual, you know, journey. I think everyone goes on one. Um, and as such, I'm very skeptical of those institutions that, you know, claim to buy and sell you a prepackaged, you know, plan for the afterlife. It's just like when I travel. I never travel with an agency. I always show up, pick up a volunteer job, couch surf, and that's how you have the best <laughs> adventure. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I think spirituality should be treated that that same way as a, a, a personal journey, as a personal adventure. Um, and you know, that's not to say there isn't a place for some of that biblical fan fiction and stuff in there. Um, you know, we see it all the time with the new age stuff. That's a lot of Eastern mysticism, just misinterpreted and ripped off and repackaged. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still, there is still those, those occult ideas that, that are true. It is that meditation, prayer, positive thinking, um, those benefit the individual and so that's why you know at the end of the day those faiths they they work that's why people show up again and again um now you can save a lot of money and a lot of time if you can develop that yourself (laughs) instead of going to the the priest man every sunday for it but you know there's there's an argument to be had that those are our schools worth studying as well Right. Um, but when it comes to the paranormal, which is the only thing I'm really qualified to speak on, <laughs> so I'm going to step out of theology before I uh, upset anyone. <laughs> but when it comes to the paranormal, um, the, the religious framework has been used to explain it for for centuries, mm-hmm. and it, it just doesn't work. And we, we know it nowadays with the UFOs and stuff, where we're quickly abandoning that framework for one that allows an understanding of of this phenomenon that you know recognizes that there is a physical aspect something physically is occurring in our reality that's that's strange and unexplainable um and to call it demons and say seven hail marys and drink some holy water about it doesn't really answer the question that is behind it and it's it's not it doesn't come down to is it should we analyze it through a Christian lens? It just doesn't work. It's like plugging in the math formula, two plus three doesn't equal four. You're going to get five. And we've been getting five too long, and it's time to to move forward. Um, there's a good book on this concept, the, the um, 
Making Sense of Nonsense. It's from Dr. Raymond Moody, who's really big on the um, uh, life uh, near-death experience. He actually coined mm-hmm. the term. Um, huge researcher on that. But this book focuses purely on logic and theory. And basically, it's about retraining yourself to recognize the third piece of information. Because we live in this modern day, in this binary of information's true or false. You know, we from school, we learn true or false, TF, do yep. a little circle. But we, we forget this third valuable piece of, of logical information, nonsense, information that doesn't make sense. And we do it so often that we write it off as false. Oh, that's that's nonsense. It, you know, that's it. In most people's minds, nonsense sits at that equals false um, narrative. But that's not true. Nonsense is information that you can't derive meaning from. So it can't be true or false. And that's an important thing to recognize because it pervades everything. It, it in religion, um, think of whichever religion you're not, and then think of one of the ridiculous things they believe. Let's uh, let's pick Scientology. I, I doubt we'll offend anybody listening <laughs> to that one. But the whole Xenu volcano alien spirit thing—it's it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> You pick Scientology, but, you know, hey, at the end of the week, eh, there's a possibility you and I might be dead. So, <laughs> Right? Well, take science, though. Take yeah, science. Absolutely. Take the Big Bang. Nothingness exploded into everythingness. That makes that sense. That sentence doesn't make any It's nonsense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. You can't derive actual meaning for it. It's the same kind of thing Dr. Seuss writes to entertain children because it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It's a weird thing to think about, but it doesn't mean anything. And so we need to recognize that that doesn't mean it won't someday. <clears throat> that doesn't mean we're incapable of developing that understanding. But we use nonsense as a placeholder till we get there. And that's unfortunately where we're at with the paranormal field. It's filled with nonsense. And I'm not saying that as a negative nonsense. In some aspects, I might mean it when I'm talking about the Warrens negatively, but it's a field filled with that nonsense where we're slapping these frameworks and we're trying to make a sense of information that it seems to be biologically we are incapable of understanding. We're, mm-hmm. we're hitting that wall. We're like the fish in the fish bowl looking out trying to figure out what a motorcycle is. Right. And it's difficult, but it doesn't mean we can't eventually get there. And that's why I think when we analyze paranormal theories and concepts and things like that, it's super important. You should always be making new theories, testing them, putting them that framework up, and then tearing it down. And that's the part people really don't like is the tearing down. They love to put up their own framework, but the second you start tearing it down, oh shit, they lose their minds. That just happened to me today. I posted a video. It was a joke. But it was a video from a flat earth debate I did, and I was against the flat earth. And that was my first mistake. But <laughs> <laughs> my second mistake was engaging them in a debate because they have come out in force. It was just like a little mean, funny line from the debate. But man, I've, I'm now a, a PSYOP, CIA shill. I've been called every kind of horrible thing this afternoon, all because I don't think the earth's flat. 
Well, can pretty I get good. an autograph book then? Because that makes you famous. <laughs> yeah, pretty good, right? I'm waiting for the CIA paycheck to show up in the mail. Hell yeah. Oh, All right, cool. I made it. Sign me up. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I, I, I know me and a couple others, like probably like Ryan and, and a few others would love to, to cash in on, help you spend that CIA show uh, check and go travel around the world and just have fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I do it. I, hey, if, if the CIA wanted to, me to kill people and gave me an infinite travel budget, I'd be there. I'd just <laughs> do it. I'd be like, sure, whatever. Whatever guy you need me to last, and I could just go wherever afterwards, fine. Deal. <laughs> But no, they haven't made that offer. And if they did, I hope it would be to kill people and not to be something as stupid as posting anti-flat earth memes. <laughs> because then they're just wasting their budget. I'm going to do that for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they have this framework. And one of the top comments was, how can you not be open to this? How can you not be open to it? I'm open to it. But then I've analyzed the information and it sucks. It's not... It's it's based on my math is better than the scientists math. And I'm sorry, I just don't see the evidence to support that statement. <laughs> you know, the, the scientists have like satellites and computers and cell phones and shit and flat earthers got YouTube channels. One of those, I think proves that one math is more right than the other. But hey, again, I'm open to it. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> and and honestly, I, th I think it's all in who you talk to from uh, the flat earth community, because someone like, uh, a good friend of the show and, and, and myself is, uh, moral Bob from hidden in, in plain sight podcast. He makes some compelling, um, Oh, that's who I was debating. Uh -oh. Okay. Don't listen to this moral Bob. I don't need more of a negative comment. Uh, <laughs> but he, he does, but he, but I, I will say, and, and it, it is Bob style. He does come off very in your face type, type of, way of putting it now if you talk to someone like flat earth dave dave weiss he 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 kind of makes some good points too i don't know where i stand you know what i mean and at the end of the day yeah. is if the earth is flat great cool uh let, let's go explore outside these these ice walls and what have you if it's round cool if it's hollow cool you know what i mean let's go explore uh, but well and but but to the the previous conversation we we have to we, we have to be open to these concepts yeah but when we use these frameworks we can't forget that there's a goal here is that these are steps forward and the flat earth framework doesn't answer the majority of of questions and in fact all it does is really create new more questions. Que yes a lot so more questions. it's not it's it's you know you can truly believe it but what does it really do for you other than hold you back again on on it, certainly on a, the paranormal journey you're not getting closer to to paranormal answers with the flat earth stuff you're getting closer to those biblical answers that's pretty much what the flat earth does when it takes all that paranormal shit jesus <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's the explanation it's and again it's that bought and sold paid package to paradise which is you know if it's good too good to be true my friends <laughs> it's exactly too good to be true um when it comes to you know the the current framework the globe tarred framework as i've been called many times today 
you know, yes, sure, there are some some problems there. And, you know, there's all kinds of NASA conspiracies that are really interesting. And with most conspiracies, there is, you know, where there's some smoke, there's usually a little bit of fire. And I'm I'm willing to hear that out on all of those. And I certainly think that there is some weird editing that goes on with some of mm-hmm. the images from space and things like that. But they might be editing UFOs out of it. You know, there's a million other things they're editing than instantly. Well, the whole thing's flat. <laughs> right. <laughs> what it means. Again, there's a, a hop, skip, and a leap. I'm not there, ready to make. I'm, I'm working with another guy in the paranormal field who who's got a little bit of Bob in him when it comes to his own theory. Um, this guy Patrick Jackson, and maybe you should reach out to him and have him on the show because you know you're you are open to these concepts. Because he's got a pretty out there theory, and um, I think we might have even talked about it in the, the episode to be released. Um, but he's out of the UK, and he believes that he's cracked, he's reverse engineered the, uh, the UFO and the ghost um, question, and he believes that poltergeists, Bigfoots, all of these things are caused by UFO spheres, UFO probes, those little orbs that can go, he says they go quantum and they can turn invisible and like phase through walls and stuff like that, which again, very cool, good story. There's some issues with it, right? It's the same way a comic book writer uses quantum. It doesn't quite... Like, there's a lot of math and science that would probably, scientists who would probably be like, that isn't how that works, sir. But then again, I might be be incorrect there. I'm I'm open to it. Uh, And he believes he's designed this device that will attract these spheres and cause poltergeist and paranormal phenomena. Um, He thinks all of the ghost hunting stuff is explained by... um, by this theory and he brings up some good points with it um so he said that the reason they occupy abandoned buildings and they're most active between midnight and 3 a.m is because they emit trace amounts of radiation and they're not trying to poison or hurt you know human beings but if humans are there say ghost hunters or something that's why they might get that red eye burn that's why they might get a, a scratch or something it's the sphere trying to scare them off he says it also explains EVPs that appear, right? Because if you're if an English ghost hunting teams in like an 11th century German castle, they still get EVPs in English, and you know that's been a, a problem. <laughs> ghost hunters haven't really been able to solve. Skeptics have solved that one right off the bat with what I think is the most likely answer: the EVPs are bullshit. But <laughs> ghost hunters. You know, they have the the xenoglossy, which is a real phenomenon where people can spontaneously speak different languages and things like that. And so there's some kind of ESP explanation there. But Patrick says, no, 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 that the spheres, they use AI like chatbots to communicate and do these like spooky messages to try to scare humans away. And Mm -hmm. that's why the EVPs you hear are always kind of weird. Like, they're kind of spooky, but they never really make sense because it's like talking to a chatbot, right. uh, which, again, very fun concept. I think, like, that whole idea actually might be one of those pieces of the framework worth keeping, worth stepping forward with, where it, you know, again, it's a new way to, to look at these phenomena, a new way to look at these ideas. 
Is and he so, is he on Instagram by any chance? Um, no, he does most of his stuff through a Facebook group. Okay, um, I'll I'll send you an invite. It's uh, he's got a, a club, but that was was my other drop of the shoe there. He's got a club. He's very much <laughs> like Bob in the the fact where any piece of information, paranormal information that is outside of that theory doesn't line up with that theory. No, 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 rejected. That's not. Nope, won't entertain it. Won't discuss it. Not interested. Only talking about his theory, his thing, which is cool. Like uh, you know, he's got your your project. You're going for it. Um, I think the devices he sells are a little expensive. He's also got like an app that's ten bucks. So there's <laughs> there's, there's some financial motives that lead me to believe his diehard for his theory might be you know some other motives there um but again on the whole i think it is a step forward and we're seeing more of these step forwards we're recognizing that ufos ghosts and bigfoot there is something connecting them now that doesn't mean they're all the same phenomenon like patrick insists but it does it is a worthy note it is a good step forward it's definitely better than the the predominant theory that it's all demons (laughs) You know, that Zach Baggins ghost adventures. Demons, demons. Thank you. I was gonna I was gonna mention that earlier. Like where do you stand with Zach and always say it's a demon? Oh, I'm gonna fight you. Well, (laughs) I I think Zach is an excellent entertainer. And you know, I you know, I can't really knock him for that because I turn what I do into entertainment for the most part. You know, I'm like crack jokes and I tell a little bit of a spooky story and then I tell a little bit of a goofy story. I kind of, you know, mix it up, make it entertaining. I have Um, friends that have met him. He cannot walk by a mirror that he cannot look at himself in. Oh, yeah. I I definitely, he definitely has that. He's not really concerned with the paranormal stuff. He's very much an Ed Warren that way where uh, that's all that stuff's kind of secondary. He definitely knows. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yes. He's very aware of it. Um, but also, you know, that being said, those kind of TV shows, like that's what I watched as a kid. You know, it's still a gateway into these concepts and these ideas. You know, you, a, a lot of people start at Zach Baggins and then they end at, you know, Timothy Leary and John Keel and, you know, the psychedelic shit we're talking about. <laughs> Um, not always, a lot of them just stop at the demon stuff, but you know, you've got to get them in the foot, the foot in the door. And so, you know, no, no disses against Zach, especially if he wants to give me a TV show, I'll take it. (laughs) Like I said, CIA travel channel, I'm broke guy. Someone hire me. Writing UFO books isn't cutting it. (laughs) Let's get into some of your personal experiences on uh, on some of your, I don't want to say adventures, but uh, your investigations uh, that you, you've you've done personally. And the weirder, the better in, in my eyes, because, you know, you know, you know, the this show, you know, it's my third eye for a reason. Anything goes. You know what I mean? Like uh, I don't, whatever your theory, whatever, whatever experience you've ever had share it you know what i mean because it's a no judge zone and i i just want because i've i've heard some of your interviews on different podcasts in the past and i they've always fascinated me and and the way you go about them and to some 
looking from the outside in could be kind of like what we were just discussing. Okay, he's a shill or, oh, he's not he's not in my little box, so he has to be cast out and what he does is irrelevant. To me, it's all relevant because at the end of the day, nobody knows, A, what happens when we die, B, where we go when we die, or what the afterlife is actually all about. So all we can go by is people's experiences and things they, they personally look into. And oh, yeah. you go by Chaz of the Dead for a reason. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we, at the, the common, um, you know, do your own research has become a common, you know, line in the conspiracy world. But um, very, very few of that, that research is, you know, that Accepted. next step. Yeah. Well, it's that next step. You know, people like to do the Internet research. They don't like doing that next step of like calling someone up and asking a real tough question. <laughs> you know, right. it, it is. You get that reaction. People aren't used to it these days. I did a, an interview with MUFON, um, the Mutual UFO Network, the largest civilian data collecting network. And I asked them about some of their controversies. And the, the astonishingly unprofessional email response I got was absolutely insane that I almost, I pretty much ended up printing it verbatim, the, the editor at Paranormality Magazine, because we just couldn't believe that this guy was going to like go in on us. Like, he was like, we'll, we'll sue you if you ask us any of these questions. He was really over the, the top. Wow. And we were like, well, we're going to publish this. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, and it, it is the, the tough questions are not appreciated in a lot of these communities. Mm-mm. Um, you know, I'm of the the I don't know disposition where all of this stuff's fun. I'm I'm having fun with it, and you know, sure these concepts they get serious. They brush up with national defense and things like that. But the 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 bulk of this, the reason this genre of, of inquiry exists, because it's entertaining. People love mysteries. People love to explore, and you know. In that vein, I've always, I've never wanted to, to pull punches. I've never, if I think something's fishy, I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, that's fishy. Explain that to me. And if your explanation's not good, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm, I'm repeating my experiences for, you know, the, the world to process as well. Um, and so let's get into some of those weird ones. <laughs> because I do, I do go to a lot of, um, I guess let's start with places because I do go okay. to a lot of places, but very few of them have a truly like palpable sense of like dread. Um, like you, you were describing with your basement. Well, yeah. what you were expecting in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Well, and before, uh, before we get into that, because the last time we talked, you were getting ready to go up to, was it Virginia or West Virginia? Probably and, West Virginia. Yeah. And I was telling you that my buddy was going there and, and you wanted to uh, explore the tunnels there. Did you get anything from that? Because I never, I don't recall seeing anything. I, I might've seen something on Instagram, no, we, but we, we weren't able to make it out to the, the tunnels that time, but that is one of those places. That's a perfect intro because I've been to um, uh, last year. I did a cross country road trip. Um, filming haunted locations on TikTok and Instagram and, you know, staying over, doing investigations and stuff like that. <clears throat> um, 
and very few places I went, you know, most of it, you're like, oh, cool story. This is an interesting place. You ask some people if they've ever seen stuff. Maybe you get a, yeah, oh, yeah, I heard a knock. I saw a thing. But every once in a while, you go to a place and it's like you just step into that. And I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to do it that vibe, yep. that, that tangible feeling of, oh, no, I'm not supposed to be here. And again, that's one of those things. Where does that feeling come from? I'm not quite sure. I do keep a um, carbon monoxide detector in my bag because uh, my research kit, because gas poisoning can cause that feeling. Mm. So, uh, but at a place like the, the, the Tunnel 19, the Silver Run Tunnel, it's outdoors, middle of nowhere. You know, any gas would be minimal. Um, not likely to cause that that feeling, but that was one of those places where you're like, ooh, no, this is weird. Um, <clears throat> and the story behind it, it's a good one. It's um, they they were going through a tunnel. This tunnel used to be it's a horse path now, but it used to be a rail tunnel. And um, one night going through the tunnel, there was this woman inside the tunnel, and it was too late to stop. So the the train desperately stopped, but they they hit this woman. The conductors and engineer, they get out and they search up and down the tracks, but they find nothing. No blood, no no tattered clothing, nothing. And so soon the story of the ghost woman in Tunnel 19 starts to spread. And uh, this is the, the late 1800s, early 1900s, and um, railroad guys were very superstitious. Um, but one guy was like, oh, I'm not afraid of any ghosts. No problem. And so he gets assigned the route. And he promises his, his people, oh, we're not stopping for any ghosts, I'll plow right through it. So he comes to the tunnel, the ghost is there, and he does, he plows right through it. Well, they flag down the train desperately at the next station, and they had been getting calls for 20 miles of this train because there was a, a woman caught in the cow catcher. Oh. It was physical that time. And that's one of my favorites. I love a ghost story like that where it's – because it, it represents that – high strangeness that's not mm -hmm. a ghost of the past that's a, a ghost of the future how does that work in your biblical demonic framework doesn't really does it um and there's actually um another place in mexico city there's a house that has kind of a similar ghost of the future um story this kid snuck into it when he was a kid and he saw this hanging man ghost in this this top room and for years people would see this hanging man ghost and eventually that same kid who first saw it broke into the house again and hung himself in that room. Oh, and shit. supposedly that was the specter people were seeing. Um, and so, yes, spooky, spooky. Play the Halloween sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but those kind of ghost stories where, uh, again, it has your key element, a tragedy. There's always something tragic mm -hmm. occurring with your ghost story. Um, but it has that that twist on instead of the past, it's from the future. And again, with both of those stories, the legitimate history behind them is a little bit murky. There's not really, you know, documents to back up either of those stories. They're just the story. Um, but I think that that plays a part. And that's something that occurs at every one of these, these locations that I believe allows these uh, occurrences to happen because every location has a story um, and even the newer ones you find a lot of times like your mothmans your alien abductions they occur in a location 
that had a ghost story beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it seems this this spooky story, this legend, that's enough of a psychedelic. You don't have to take a bunch of mushrooms or a tab of LSD. Just hearing that spooky story is enough to cause that slight shift in consciousness where these things suddenly are able to manifest. They're, they're suddenly within our quantum vision where we're, we'll allow them to exist. Um, and that goes into a whole bunch of science, the theory of biocentrism and stuff like that, uh, which I'm not qualified to explain, so I'm not going to, to pretend <laughs> like I, I can. Um, but there's the concept that the observance, our observance, is part of what dictates reality. Um, and there's actually another cool story I'm researching and hoping to, to go see in Namibia. Did I tell you this story last time about the flying snake of Namibia? I don't think so because uh, you were, we, we, we were talking bee theory and then that got into the, uh, the haunted house on that island. Um, oh off, yeah, the, the best castle based yeah. on my my book, um, and yeah, then that's one of those other places where that feeling is is palpable. It's the inside that building is so strange, and of course, any abandoned building is kind of creepy. Oh, totally! But, like all of the levels, there's doors in the middle of of walls, six feet off the ground, no steps. There's all kinds of shifts and weird corners and and double closets. It's such a strange home. And then you add the UFO story and the ghost story on top of it. And boom, it gets, yeah, it's one of those places. Yeah. Because um, when, when you and I talked about that, I remember uh, <clears throat> we, we had wrapped up or whatever. And later that day, Ryan had called me and we were shooting the shit or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I just got done talking with Chaz and, you know, kind of gave him a small rundown of what we, what we uh, talked about. And he, it was funny like a few weeks later we're talking again. He's like, yeah, I have Chaz coming on. He's talking about the, um, uh, this, this haunted house on this Island. I'm like, Oh yeah, we touched on that. Didn't I tell you? He's like, no. And it was just so weird that we touched on that in our episode. And then you went on his show and like did a whole episode on it. And I was just like, this is fucking amazing. I, I I love all these oh, yeah. synchronicities or whatever, you, <laughs> yeah, or whatever you want to call it. It's called a, a place between time and space. Uh, a, the true story of Florida's strangest home. Um, and yeah, it's one is of it, those places. Is it out and available? Yep. It's out available. You can buy it through Amazon or through paranormality um, magazine.com or paranormality mag.com. Um, you can find both of those links at my website, chasmededead.com. Uh, <clears throat> the paranormality one's a little bit cheaper because, you know, screw Jeff Bezos. Yeah, fuck uh, him. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that, that's one of those places where, again, it, and it lives up to that, um, that motif of decades of ghost stories. And then in the 70s, one of the weirdest physical hands-on UFO cases to ever occur um pops up on that exact same island on that same hill in that same area where this crazy house is um and it's it's the um re-examination of these cases that has really led people to recognize that something's something more is going on something beyond just you know uh ufos aliens from mars and you know dead civil war soldiers from the 1800s there's something more 
complex occurrence. Um, and I think the uh, the ghost of the Kalahari or the flying snake of the Kalahari, depending on if you're a cryptozoologist or a ufologist, I think that's a perfect example. Uh, and so the the ghost of a Ka- the Kalahari is actually a project I'm working on. Hopefully, another paranormal expedition. I'll be doing a, a third book or fourth, depending on when it comes out uh, on this subject. But <clears throat> There's been these light spheres seen in, in Namibia and the Kalahari Desert for for centuries. Mm. And, you know, when the first colonists showed up, they were seen as they would be, you know, these spheres of light. And when you got closer, it would be your classic woman in like a white haunting dress. Um, in modern times, though, these lights, they file, they'll follow cars. People have missing time. They steal water out of cisterns and swimming pools. They have all these traits that uh, mirror UFO phenomenon from around the world. And so they're seen as like these UFOs, you know, in the desert, just like most deserts seem to have um, this, this UFO legend. But in this one swath around the, the banks of this one river, it is seen as the flying snake of the Kalahari. as this big glowing light on its head. But when it gets closer, that light you can see is just the, like an appendage, almost like an ankler fish, but mm-hmm. closer to the fall. Um, and it's this flying snake. It's got kind of King Cobra-like flaps, but bigger, and it uses those as wings. It has smoke that comes out of its nose, and it, it radiates this intense heat. Um, and it's known for leaving scorch marks and draining cattle of their blood, specifically sheep in the region. Oh, kind of like Chupacabra. Chupacabra and like cattle mutilations because mm-hmm. it leaves the perfectly cauterized because it, its face is so hot. Its fangs burn these holes. And again, that's what you hear with the modern cow mutilations. And interestingly, um, the people of this region are, um, you know, they, they have less um, colonization than some of the other regions in Southern Africa. But one of the main witnesses of the flying snake is a Dutch farmer who saw it fly up and suck the sheep dry after he had talked with the locals and learned about this legend what was killing the sheep in the area um and very interestingly a um uh another study was done completely separate from all this paranormal stuff anthropologists they took this very simple color test to the bushmen of the kalahari these native people in the interior and they um They, um, uh, simple test, they had nine circles, nine of them were blue, um, nine of them were green, and on one sheet out of these, um, I'm sorry, out of these green circles, one of them was turquoise on one sheet, and then on the other sheet, all of them were green, except one was one shade different green. Now, they asked the Kalahari Bush people with the, sur- the turquoise circle, which one of these is, is blue, which one of these is a different color? And none of them could get it. It was like 50-50. They were like, maybe that one, maybe that one. You know, only hitting the turquoise one sometimes. But when they were asked to do it, the same thing with the green sheet, to with a page that to you and I looks, all of them look exactly the same shade of green. No difference. Mm-hmm. 100% success rate. They were like, that one, that one, that one. Like we would with the turquoise one. And this plays into that concept where there is some kind of formula. There is something behind the eyes that translates what we perceive. 
and that we do live in different realities. That's why I'm not heated at our friend Moral Bob. I'm not upset about the, the mean things he said, because I understand he, he lives on a flat plane. I'm sure of it. He's convinced. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's his reality. And, you know, I have that understanding that reality is, is certainly different for different people, but it's also malleable. You know, but that's who am I to try to change someone else's reality? He gets into philosophy again. We're not here for that. We're here for spooky stories. <laughs> uh, but I thought I thought it was very interesting that this this study with color uh, occurred in the same region where you know one group is seeing a UFO, one group is seeing a flying snake, and you know this group from the past saw a ghostly woman. But essentially, the phenomenon are all the same. It's all this light sphere. And then in the modern era, you have the cattle mutilations, you have the scorch marks, you have the missing time. It's it's essentially the same creature, but we're seeing it completely different from different perspectives. And not just, you know, I saw it over there and he saw it from this angle and he was 50 feet up on a hill. No, we're physically seeing them from our own different realities. And they're somehow the phenomenon is, is matching to it. Or maybe it's not. Maybe we do that all behind the eyes. That's all our, our brain doing its best job to perceive something unperceivable. Um, and that's why we get into so many problems with the paranormal, because we do have at the genesis what is a psychedelic experience that we physically can't really look past and see the physical aspect other than the impacts other than the dead cows and the footprints and the things left behind. We can see those, and we can know there's something physically happening, but the, the actual actor, it does seem to be completely unknowable so far. Um, again, that's what, what all the work is, is going for, and I, I often say we're the, uh, the paranormal community, we're alchemists right now, we're wizards in the, the dungeon, mixing sludges and making up words. But one day those words will be the periodic table. They'll be, <laughs> those, those sludges will be known compounds and something we can physically, when I say mercury, you picture, picture mercury and you, under, you have an understanding of what it is and what it can do and you know that kind of stuff. One day we'll have that with the paranormal as we continue to make these strides. As long as we continue to build the frameworks and tear them down, and we got to keep building the steps one by one and uh, working forward. Um, and for me, let's get to another spooky story. For me, that realization came with a mushroom Ouija board experiment, um, which oh, ended shit. up with me seeing some UFOs. Um, and I, at this point, was still in much of a ghost huntery kind of background, you know, I, interested in the other subjects, but still of that, you know, one, that mind of, well, one thing's one thing, one thing's another thing, and another thing's another thing. And that could still be true. I still like that multiverse idea of absolute randomness where, yeah, a ghost could be a ghost and an alien could be from Sirius. And, you know, Bigfoot could be a, a creature out there. It just doesn't seem like the research is lining up with that, though. The more I'm into it, the more there has to be the recognition of that psychedelic nature. And for me, that was this aha moment, because I was trying to get that plan set to move, try to get some kind of message from beyond, 
Um, and during the seances, nothing would happen. There was one instance where a drop of water hit me right in the forehead. And that was one of those cool, like, aha, one with the universe moments. Um, but other than that, there was no, like, ghostly paranormal phenomenon. Um, but in the times in between the, these experiments, I started to see UFOs. And the first one, it was right before I was drinking this tea. I saw this object. I was watching a couple planes. The sun was setting in Florida, so it's that, that nice golden hour. Um, and, you know, your, your planes are blinking across the sky. Some of them are leaving their, uh, their chemtrails. Um, and uh, I'm watching one, and I see it's not blinking. It's actually kind of getting brighter, and it's holding shape. And suddenly it bursts and, like, scatters into a million pieces, and they kind of shoot off. And I'm like, oh, shit, a plane just blew up. <laughs> like, I thought, like, a terrorism had just happened. I This was really fucking crazy. Again, I had just brewed this tea, and I had maybe taken a single sip. And, you know, for those who know their psychedelics, it takes about a good hour for that to, to kick in, um, 30 minutes at the quickest. Um, and so this was super bizarre. And, you know, being in Florida, we do have, like, rockets and satellite re-entries, but there's nothing, nothing in the news, nothing about that, that um that object and i had been been seeing some other things that i was like maybe ufo maybe bizarre but what sold it was one night i was hanging out with a buddy of mine and i was talking about this and he's doing what probably everyone in the audience is doing right now okay yeah mushrooms ufos ouija boards sure chad whatever and you know i was like all right fair enough you got me that is pretty crazy that's pretty out there and almost ironically while we're having this conversation we start to hear this metallic hum and this triangle shaped craft floats over exactly where we're sitting and talking right above the tree line. I could have hit it with a rock. It was, it was down low. And it's that classic, um, what's the, the, the blueprints out there that B three er three B. Yeah, that's it. Um, I always mix it up with the star Wars one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's got the light in each corner. It's that classic black triangle shaped craft. And it would just, covered over us and continued on and it almost felt intentional it was like we were you know talking about it my friend was like you're crazy and you know he was kind of convincing me that okay yeah you're right when i say it like that it does sound crazy and the phenomenon was like no 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 here you go you wanted something crazy you thought you were going to take mushrooms and and talk to, to entities ufo curveball and that mm. seems to be, that happens to, to a lot of people who investigate the paranormal, who get into this high strangeness stuff. The, the phenomenon's bizarre. It, it certainly is, is strange. Um, and that example is even such because the, you know, that prototype is often thought to be a military one. It's thought to be designed by the military, but, it seemed so intentional to our situation, to the psychedelics, to the um, conversation. And again, I wasn't actively tripping. I just had those, it was a few days after the last experiment. Um, so again, super bizarre. And it, it leads me to believe that there is a, uh, a psychedelic nature. Something's going on. Even if it is human technology, the whatever the cloaking device is or something has to do with our psychic abilities you know our conscious perception of it 
perhaps because we were having the conversation, whatever, that made us able to see it because we were being open to these concepts and because we had maybe some trace amount of substance in the system. That was enough. Um, again, it's hard to say because it happens at random to random people who aren't having conversations or who believe in UFOs too. So it's it's one of these still, again, it's a good framework but it's not the it's we still got to poke the holes. We still got to admit that there are problems with the psychedelic theory. It doesn't answer all of the questions put forth, but it's pretty damn close so far. Um, but when it comes to other ooky spooky investigations, <laughs> trying to bring it back, I get too philosophical. When it comes <laughs> You're to good. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of curious. What's the what's the scariest place you've ever? Or, or scariest thing that you've ever encountered. See, you always tee up the perfect fucking segue, man. This is why I love coming on this show. Maybe, maybe that's the empath in me. Who knows? Uh, you just know exactly <laughs> where I wanted to go. Um, I would say the the craziest, strangest investigation I've ever done um, was in Villa Bavaria in Chile. Um. And Villa Bavaria used to be a place called Colonia Dignidad. And it was used by the Pinochet regime, the uh, far-right dictator of Chile there, um, to disappear people. Mm. And the reason he used this location to disappear people was because it was essentially a Nazi compound. Um, It was put together by a dude named Paul Schaefer, um, who was a medic in World War II, but came to, to Chile in the 50s and by the 60s had set up this compound. And it became what was considered one of these stops on the Nazi circuit. So the, the high-ranking officials of the Nazis who did escape to South America were said to, um, you know, if they stayed in one place too long, I believe it was Eichmann, who stayed in um, Argentina too long. He became a, a teacher at a German school. And one day he's walking to work, a bag gets thrown over his head. He's in the back of a van from a bunch of Mossad dudes, flying, <laughs> flown on a secret plane back to Israel, and he's executed that week. Um, so a lot of these high-ranking Nazis, they would hop on the circuit. They would hop to these places, these cities, these compounds, where there was this German influence. Um, and it's known that uh, Mengele worked there at Villa Bavaria. They had a hospital. That's how they sold it to the local public. Like, oh, no, it's not Nazis. They're, they're building a hospital. Uh, <laughs> but the entire compound, several thousand acres, is surrounded by this tall barbed wire fence. When you drive up, there's this massive guard tower. It sits empty now because, you know, they're, they're good now. They're not doing any of the bad stuff anymore. They promised. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's, we're from it's the government. We're here to help. Um, well, so I went out to this this place, and I, this was when I was writing my first book, um, uh, Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship. Um, and I was looking into the this supposed UFO group that exists further south in Patagonia in Chile. Um, but the, the group is this tall, blonde, extraterrestrial, quote-unquote, but they, they're all scientists, and they had this secret base in the middle of Patagonia. And so I was entertaining this idea that, hey, they might be Nazis. And hey, look at this. There's a former Nazi compound <laughs> here in Chile. 
So I might as well go there and investigate. Um, and it was definitely one of the the times where I was most on edge just for my general life. Like, I wasn't worried about ghosts or UFOs in particular. I was worried about getting nazi um, because obviously I didn't say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm here to write about UFOs and Nazis. You guys <laughs> yeah, no. here? Like I, I, I went a little more low key. Um, but I went to the, the nearest, um, town and went to the bus station, you know, traveling, backpacking, taking buses everywhere. And I was like, all right, I need a, a ticket to Villa Bavaria. And they gave me this look like what? So I was like, you know, Villa Bavaria, uh, the the German place, and they were like, oh, I, okay, well, no buses go there, and I'm like, what do you mean no buses go there? I thought it was like this, it's supposed to be like this German-themed retreat, and they were like, um, yeah, no buses go there. No bus for you. And I was like, well, well, how can I get there? They were like, um, they asked around the bus station, they got me this other person, they were like, all right, take this bus to this village, stop at this address, and knock on the door. If the guy's home, he'll probably take you the rest of the way. Oh, and I'm shit. like, okay. Yeah, all right, here we go. <laughs> all right. So I got on the bus and I knocked and he was there. And he gave me another sideways look like, what? You want to go out there? And I was like, yep. Yeah. And he said, all right. And he drove me another two hours into the Andes Mountains. And it was the most like real remote location i think because the village that i got dropped off was it was a it was a village it was like maybe 10 15 houses along with and a gas station and nothing else oh wow and two hours further in is this you, you come through this big fence you drive under this big watchtower it all sits empty the school sits empty now too because that's how it was eventually shut down was because paul schaefer was a pedophile and he was molesting the children and there's actually a a movie about the kids who escaped um, Spanish language Chilean film um, about how they escaped and got to freedom. And Paul Schaefer actually hopped on that Nazi circuit. And this was in the eighties. It was still active. And he was eventually captured in Brazil um, after being rotated through Argentina and Uruguay and all these other places. Um, <clears throat> and sent back to Chile, Chile and died in prison. And supposedly since then, they've all been good. Nothing, nothing shady has been going on there. Um, except in 2015, they did find a massive weapons cache on the <laughs> property. Kind of like that Joel Oldstein buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they took the same oh, thing, look like, at this. Oh, we didn't know that was there. But those guys must have left that from back then. Um, so, yes, after driving several hours into the middle of nowhere, um, I pull up, there's this little arm gate, and there's some Chilean people working at the the, the gate there, which was a relief. <laughs> um, and I got there, and it was a nice German-themed restaurant, great German beer. We stayed at this hotel. It was fairly nice. Um, and that night, I, like, because I showed up unannounced that night, I, like, got up in the middle of the night and went around and snooped around the little village to see if there was, like, anything they might hide or, like, were, like getting the tanks covered up or some shit like that. I didn't see anything like that. Um, <clears throat> but I did find a strange photo album of recent wedding photos taken there. Um, 
and all of the wedding photos were of like Chilean military guys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who who would want to have their wedding at the former Nazi compound? And I flick through it and it's all these military officials. So I think it's pretty safe to say there was some shady <laughs> shit still going down out there. Um, but uh, I went to the second day, I went to look at the graveyard and I got lost. And I was lost for hours walking around this the side of this, you know, slopey mountainside. Uh, and the only reason I knew I was still on this compound is I would bump up against this barbed wire fence every once in a while. And there's all <laughs> these weird cement cisterns and shit out there. And there's, I think they estimate around 500 undiscovered bodies out there just buried somewhere Ooh. vanished people um including one um american dude he was a former soviet um jewish guy so he escaped russia when all that shit was going on and <clears throat> came to the u.s he taught mathematics at stanford he was a, a genius but he would do these long backpacking trips um solo and he had this old Russian backpack that he, that was the only possession he brought with him when he left the country. And he would use it everywhere, but it would have this acrylic writing on it. And so the Chilean, like, local police saw this Russian dude. He was hiking near the border. He had Russian writing on his backpack, but he spoke English. They're like, that guy's a fucking spy. <laughs> and so they, they nabbed him. He went to Villa Bavaria, and no one knows what happened. Well, we can assume what happened after that, but that's right. where his the trail ends and that's that's one of hundreds of stories mostly of of chilean nationals who met that same fate where they would they literally would say send them to the germans and i can't think of a more terrifying thing to hear as a political dissident (laughs) yeah getting cold cold hand on the shoulder being like good luck (laughs) so when you were traveling for for two hours with this 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 local villager did at any time did you feel un like I mean I, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes being in a different country I I've, I've been in a, a few different countries and and you know got to talk with locals and what have you and you know take want to see you know the local hangouts not the touristy shit and mm-hmm. you're sitting here you're on an adventure you're you're going to this little village and he's like okay it's two hours away I mean did you guys have a conversation did you feel safe unsafe like w- was it sketch like well i was i was traveling with an ex-girlfriend um at that time um well she was a girlfriend at that time but um and she spoke spanish which was help because i speak but chilean spanish it's like scottish english it's really it's a thick thick yeah. accent um they've got a lot of slang that you just never heard of and it, it's a tough one um, so there was some, you know, translation helping going on and stuff. Um, but, you know, it's it, if I set my mind, I can go into a place, you know, I'm going for it. I had to write a chapter in my book. Right. <laughs> you know, I had already written all the Nazi research. I needed a, a travel <laughs> part to go with it. Um, and because, you know, it's it's one of those, yeah, it's, it, I guess it goes back to that, what we were talking about early, that extra step. Uh, like, my favorite flat earther is that dude who built a rocket. <laughs> he doesn't believe in rocket science, but he built his own rocket and he flew all the way up there. Yeah. <laughs> Hands off. That is the kind of, yes, that's the, those extra steps. I think he, he saw the curve though. Um, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. 
Uh, Give me off this subject. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, it's yeah, I, I like to do that with the paranormal. I like to take it that extra step because there is a lot, you know, when it comes to the discussion. Well, with the friendship case, one of the reasons I chose it was there wasn't much discussion. It wasn't being talked about too much in English. Um, <clears throat> but the little discussion that was being had in English and the, a good bit of it in Spanish was you know, skeptics being like, oh, it's probably Nazis. They probably just saw Nazis and that was it. And, you know, the, there's what I actually found very interesting. In Chile, people are really pro-alien. They love the extraterrestrial hypothesis. They all believe the aliens are real. They're coming from different planets and they're definitely visiting Chile. Um, it's a super common belief there. Um and so the well, that's the not too far is, off from from ancient Aztec and Mayan belief. I mean, they didn't call them aliens yeah. then, but you know they had different terminology. But it, if you take their belief systems that they had then, it it almost lines up to what we know today as aliens, well, it, paranormal ghosts, whatever. That, the big portion, a big portion of that is because Chile is one of the only countries that has a government branch that's 100% above board public info that investigates UFOs. It's actually Chile and France are the only two countries um, that like publish their UFO videos when they film them. Um, And I always thought it was super ironic because, you know, those UFO videos and the New York times um, that everyone made a huge hubbub about, Chile has been posting, Chile's government has been posting videos like that for like a decade. There's like six or seven of them that are as compelling. They're filmed with the same LiDAR cameras. It's phenomenal stuff. And and so, yeah, the people of Chile have just lived in that reality, I think, longer than the rest of us, where, um, one, they have no belief in the competency of their government. So you don't have any of that, like, oh, it's government projects they're like it's absolute the chilean government is yeah right buddy (laughs) they'll laugh you right out of a room um they can't find their head from a hole in the the ground they're definitely (laughs) and yeah they they can it's a rough one over there um there uh, there were a couple protest scenes that broke out um when i was there and it was uh i left two weeks before the whole country broke out in these student protests um, yeah, I know it was people throwing bottles at police officers and things. It was, it was pretty crazy. Um, <clears throat> the cost of living there, it, it was, it's definitely too high, especially for South America. It was like, it costs as much to live there as it does in Europe. And, you know, people aren't making that much money in South America. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, they, they've got some issues. Um, but the, I think yeah, that has a huge portion where they're like, they're certainly aliens, definitely aliens. They're here visiting. And all up and down Chile, you have these hot spots from the Vascoma Desert in the north um, to the all along the Andes Mountains and then Patagonia where this friendship legend lives. Um, and so, yeah, it was a place, um, another strange experience. I went to one of these hot spots in the Andes Mountains, this... Um, Lake Colburn, um, and it was dried up. It's supposedly lake, the UFOs will go in and out of the water of this lake, hot spot for USOs. People see them all the time. Uh, it was half dried, so we actually walked out onto the lake bed. 
I took some LSD. Um, and it was nice. It was cool. It was an awesome um, vision, you know, visionary experience, tripping real hard. Um, my partner, she had taken a tiny bit of LSD. She wasn't very experienced with it, and that was a mistake. Uh, because she was certain she started hearing like alien chittering, chattering voices. Um, and the minute we, we walked off the dry lake bed shore, they stopped. So again, LSD, but still kind of that weird high strangeness. Mm-hmm. So the scariest part was we had hitchhiked up the mountain <laughs> and now we had to hitchhike back down the mountain while, while tripping hard. Um, and we, uh, a trucker dude pulled over. <laughs> We hopped in, and you know what? I should have been freaked out. I should have been panicking. I know she was, but it was the most beautiful sunset I have ever <laughs> seen. Driving down the Andes Mountains, the, the, the cascade, the light. I was tripping super hard, and like the whole town was like, wow. And so that Chilean truck driver must have had the weirdest night of his fucking life. Man, and these I'm fucking Americans are weird. Terrified, and I'm like, wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I have to think we scared him more than he scared us. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's been a couple of uh, probably ill-advised scenarios. Um, but you know, it's what it takes to to push the buck on some of this this research and it's fun you know um i enjoy doing it i enjoy traveling i love going to places and one thing i do get missed at with the paranormal community is you know there's a lot of big talk a lot of cool black tap out t-shirts and like you know black and white portraits and you know badass imagery a lot of these dudes aren't very uh, very brave when it no. comes to like going on some of these investigations and stuff. Like the amount of times I've heard people say they're too scared to investigate Bobby Mackey's the the restaurant. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever, because you saw Bobby Mackey's. Is that the uh, is is that the, the the honky tonk? River Phoenix died. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which again, it's just like disrespectful. No, River, River Phoenix, he died at the. Uh, sh- oh yeah, am I mixing that up? Yeah, it it was the uh, was it the Viper Pit? What a, either way, the Something point like stands. That. <laughs> I think Bobby Mackey's was like the uh, the honky tonk. Um, it was yeah. like a country bar or something like that, and this guy bought it, and he was just like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna turn it in," and d- from day one just fucking bizarre shit happening <laughs> yeah and you know i'd love to go there i'd love to experience it i'd love to take uh, some mushrooms there let's do it up so and again it's um you know i'm aware that strange paranormal things can happen but that's mostly on the, the substances you got to be aware of other people's vibes and things like that you're more reacting i find to other people than you are to necessarily outside stimuli and you can very quickly confuse the two. Um, <laughs> but you know, practice Easily. makes perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but another example is my investigation at the Betts house. I reached out to so many people and I got like one yes from one dude. Great. He gave me some report. He loaned me the ghost code device we were talking about earlier. Um, he would have done it, but he has a filming conflict. But I would say the other 
you know, half a dozen paranormal teams I reached out to and stuff. They were like, nope, we won't do it. It's there's you got a trespass on government land. No way. No way. We're not doing it. I'm like, what? I pay taxes. I own it's a park. It was, right. We're going in a park. It's a park. There's no security. There's no, what are you talking about? Uh, <clears throat> and no, that was, that was too scary for them. No, there's no, there's no risk taking. They like to, to book a hotel room and then get out all their fancy equipment and record themselves talking to an empty room, uh, which I love doing too. I love the whole thing. I, I have a little bit of a different belief about what ghost hunting is than the typical ghost hunter. Um, but I, I enjoy it. Let's I get into that. I, I, I want to hear, I, I want to hear your belief. Well, I, I think that what's occurring with most modern ghost hunting is it's, I prefer, uh, I would like the term to catch on, but I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to try to force it or not. Um, but it's more of a techno technological seance than ghost hunting. Um, whereas the, much of the same phenomenon they're manifesting, you know, the voices and stuff is the same kind of stuff as the apportations teleporting is the same stuff that the mediums and the same of the 1800s and early 1900s, the spiritualist movement, um, and honestly, the spiritualist movement had some cases of a lot better evidence than most technological seances are of today. But I think the same principle is what's at play. And I think the the best um, display of that is the Estes method. Are you familiar with that new ghost hunting technique? I am not. Well, it combines the... Um, so there's actually a couple of them. There's the Estes method. There's the Gansfeld experiment. There's one where they cross them over. Um, but the the idea is that you use some kind of sensory deprivation, whether it's red lights or a blindfold and sound canceling headphones, and you you hook up those headphones for the Estes method. That is, you hook them up to a spirit box, one of those ghost things that. Is this is, the radio and shouts out random words? Yeah. Is this where one person is blindfolded, has the, like you said, right. the noise canceling he- headphones on, and then the other person is asking questions and the person that can't hear kind of speaks to, to what they think they're being told? Yeah. So the, the person only listening to the spirit box is supposed to shout out only the clearest words they can hear. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's basically the spirit box, but under like a double blind filter, you know, you're not hearing random words and then going, was that, was it, did it say murder? And then the other like, yeah, it did say murder. It kind of gets rid of that kind of EVP gotcha. um, nonsense. This is stuff that uh, Patrick Jackson said was the algorithm. That's the re- It's not the, uh, because you're, you're, hearing what you want to hear. No, no, no. It's because the chatbot algorithm of the invisible UFO <laughs> is fucking up a little bit. Um, I, yeah, well, I think this, I've seen Jack Osborne and a couple others um, on on the not so not so famous as the, the Ghost Adventure crew um, go on at trying some of these methods. And Oh yeah, it's been taken off. It, it was started um really in the youtube community but um um uh, the guy out of colorado 
I'm biffing on his name. Uh, but they did that that Spirits of the Stanley at the Stanley Hotel. Um, Connor, Connor something. Uh, <clears throat> but he did uh, the, the series Spirits of the Stanley Hotel. And then it was picked up by the New Kirks in their Hellier series. And then it kind of exploded on YouTube from there. And now, just now, the TV people are getting to it, which I yeah. think is awesome. They're it's showing me how desperate they're getting. They're they're we're gonna see a, I think a, a flip here pretty soon. On uh, um, tired paranormal content is gonna gonna lose to some of these independent creators, which is always awesome. Hell yeah! Uh, <clears throat> but it's uh, it's certainly one of the more intriguing things. But it really ends up putting the ghost box listener, the S to C. Um, they, they're really taking the role of the medium in a traditional seance at that point. And it does get better results. The, the responses are more synchronistic. And it does lead to a more compelling investigation. Again, it's based on faulty text. So I'm not really sure if that information is useful the way people think it's useful i think it's useful because it's proving that there is a psychic phenomenon going on i believe most ghost investigations most seances the goal is not necessarily to talk to a dead person but is to create a tulpa one of these thought form idea framework entity things from there that framework may or may not be able to pull tangible information, you know, commune with the dead, whatever, so on and so forth. But at the the genesis, what causes the spooky stuff to happen is that ESP firing off, is that creation of of the tulpa. We're we're setting ourselves first. You hear the story that creates that that possibility in the back of your mind. It gets the the chemicals brewing a little bit. Then you you enter the seance state, you get out your tech, you experience some weird malfunctions and some weird stuff. The hairs start to stand up and it gets those chemicals brewing more. And you can physically meditate, spook yourself, seance yourself into creating one of these entities. And that is the, the interaction. Now, if you're going from that story, if the stories of an 1800s, um Civil War soldier, that's going to be the most likely framework that that's going to manifest through. So again, it's not necessarily not talking to the dead, um, but it's also not not necess- but it's also not 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 talking to the dead. I've lost myself in my knots. Um, <laughs> but it, it's kind of, I think of it more like talking to like an AI, you right. know, in some like video games, you got like your assassin creeds where they get some real historic where people will say some real historic shit you know yeah. and they've done some research and huzzah or whatever sometimes your your tulpa ghost will have that they'll have that information you know and it'll appear as your 1800s ghost um a lot of the times though especially for mediums who do this on a repeat basis you hit that nonsense wall pretty hard at a certain point where the information is untangible. It doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of all out there and, you know, it's for interpretation. A lot of times it is literal nonsense. And that's also present in the Estes method too. 
um, you you'll get a whole series of like spooky answers. But if you ever watch one live, you'll get a real dumb answer in there sometimes. Oh yeah, like, like potato shoes or some shit <laughs> in the middle of like a question. Like it's totally out there. Um, so again, it's it's about uh, now if you truly believe you're talking to a ghost, that will probably help in that manifestation. So that's why I'm not always the best to bring out on those techno seances because. You know, as much as I believe, and I believe in the theory, um, it's like, uh, it's a similar concept with hypnosis. If you like really study and read about hypnosis, your chances of being hypnotized are like drastically reduced. Like you can't, because your brain is, you subconsciously are thinking about how the hypnotism is working and that pulls you out of the hypnotism. And so you can't really ever fully get into it. Right. You, You naturally fight against it. Right, right. It's like it's a uh, like you you get punched in the head. You you know what being knocked out feels like, and and, and okay, I've been here before. I'm gonna fight it. I'm gonna fight it. I'm staying awake. I'm staying awake. I'm right. staying alert. And it next thing you know, you're not knocked out or you're not hypnotized. Right. Yeah, that's a similar concept. And so the paranormal again, as we've been talking today. It, it has a lens. We have our own lens we throw on it. You know, it's cultural, whether it's a snake or a UFO. <laughs> There's some kind of um, lens that seems to be, like most things, a mixture of nurture and nature. Um, <clears throat> and then you have the, the phenomenon itself, which only seems to interact physically Sparingly. It only pops up here and there and leaves these, these trace pieces of evidence, but certainly physical enough where, you know, things things do teleport and break on their own. There's, you know, videos of that. And that's one of the unfortunate things is now we the, the gap for video evidence, we've totally missed it. So I was reading a book from 1995, and they were already talking about how, you know, you can fake video, so you can't really believe any of that. So I guess it was <laughs> never the, the smoking gun people thought or wanted it to be. Um, <clears throat> but it is interesting, because it does seem that the phenomenon tends to avoid cameras. It does have this, this knowledge about it, and this was best documented by the mid-scientists stationed at Skinwalker Ranch. Again, the best professional team of scientists put together to research a spooky place ever. And they wrote repeatedly on their frustration of the phenomenon would always happen right outside the camera view. And so they would turn, they, they would, you know, put the camera at that view and it would happen on the side then. And so then they started putting cameras pointed at the cameras that they were avoiding, hoping to catch that. And then those cameras pointed at those cameras would now function and then something would happen. <laughs> and so it does seem to have this intelligence where it knows it knows this filter. It knows that we as our biological meat cells really struggle processing whatever it is. And it, it definitely plays to that. It's the trickster. It mm. fucks with us. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes more maliciously than other times. Um, a lot of the times it does just seem to be a general fucking with. There doesn't really seem to be any like higher motive. Um, you know, the, there's a couple cases of paranormal pancakes. 
Um, the one instance of the UFO knots from the 50s giving this guy some food after they gave him some water, normal pancakes. But the better instance was when Jacques Vallée was going out to investigate a UFO landing site. Up this mountain, there's supposed to be indentations, pressed foliage, um, the miles drive, kind of like my me out to Villa Bavaria. Miles drive, and then they had to do an uh, hour's hike. And when they get out there, there's the indentation. There's this field where this UFO landed. It does seem to be evidence of a UFO. But there's also a plate of freshly cooked pancakes, or I think it was waffles in that instance, um, sitting in the center of this site. Steam hmm. still coming off of miles from any diner. And it's one of these aspects of high strangeness where it, it is truly a puzzle beyond our framework right now. We can't really comprehend what's going on, but God damn it, we're going to try. <laughs> Absolutely. What, before we wrap up, I want to know you, what, two things. W- one real quick, what are, you, what are your thoughts on spiritual attachments good or bad um i'm of the personal belief and this is kind of reinforced with my own expeditions into the psychedelic realms that um it's important that we remind ourselves that you know there's a we've got a cosmic entity steering this meat shell um and this this physicality we have is is something far greater than any of these entities. That's why I hate the demon narrative, because that immediately puts a piece of disincarnate information. It gives it more power and more sentience than you. It becomes some kind of dark, unholy secret. When if you actually analyze the history of, you know, mediumships and paranormal entities, eh, most of the time they're full of shit and they like fizzle out after a couple of years. (laughs) Like there's, very, very few instances of a ghost killing someone. One of the only ones recorded is the Bell Witch. And that story seems, there's some issues with that. The man, the ghost killed was a, a 79 year old dude in the what, 1700s. He was, he was well past his prime. A little bit. So, again, sure. <laughs> ghost killed him, whatever. Um, <laughs> And it's important to remember that you are a a, a spiritual being in the same aspect as these entities, if you even want to call them that. I, again, prefer that term, disincarnate information, because most of the time the information pops in randomly. It doesn't seem to have sentience or coherence. Every once in a while it starts to string together some kind of coherence, and then we might get into that entity territory. But it still exists in this this invisible realm that is colored and it is interpreted by our own minds, our own subconsciousness. We view them how we're going to view them. And so they have the authority and power we dictate to them. And you see it with DMT bros who are convinced the machine elves are gods. But I've, I've analyzed some of that machine elf information. And you know what? Meh. You know, they, they say pretty much all the same thing angels and God say. A bunch of spiritual nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. Again, doesn't mean it's not, it's false or true, but it's not, it's not the answer. It's certainly not tangible, meaningful information. Um, 
And so I guess when it comes to spirit attachments, um, the real, I think the real spirit attachments are, are these ideas, are these concepts. If you let a, a piece of disincarnate information in your brain, and then you allow, you give it that power, you give it that sentience, it becomes, you know, it becomes the spirit attachment, absolutely. Um, now, when it comes to spirit attachment or spirit release therapy as a means of mental health care, that's a pretty interesting concept, but I'm going to avoid it because, I, again, not qualified. <laughs> but I do think there's some really wild stories out there from, from therapists and doctors who have treated schizophrenia and things like that by, you know, saying, okay, this is a possessing entity. Let's solve this entity's problems. They do the whole Scooby-Doo Ghostbusters. They release the ghost and it works. These people have a, a very high success rate in this, these therapies. Um, again, your reality is, is up to you to an extent. We still have to share it with everyone else. Um, and everyone's realities more and more these days are bouncing against each other. Um, but you know, that's, that's part of the game of life. And the, the best thing you can do is again, be open to others' realities, um, consider them, but you know, work towards that, that framework of true sense and away from those ones that cherry pick their, their examples. Last question before we wrap up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna single this down, hands down, the most terrifying place that you have ever visited in the United States. Oh, United States, that's a good qualifier. Um, hmm. um, and you know, I hate to do it, but I think I am gonna save the Betts House. Uh, nice, the, the subject of my my latest book, just because. It's, you know, it's what's that, uh, that liminal space meme of like abandoned shopping malls and stuff. But this one, to the, it's to the next level. It's walking up on that castle in the middle of the woods, completely abandoned, a small black hole that you have to crawl through to get in. It's, uh, no, it's a, a place that, that's certainly, uh, I, I go there in my dreams sometimes. It's, it's one that leaves a, impression um which is uh why you guys should sign the petition to save it i'm gonna send that to you to put in the link of the bio i'm tying in the plug um nice. i started a petition to get this house recognized as a historic landmark um so it can be properly restored um we haven't i haven't been able to see the damage yet since ian um but i know that area got hit pretty hard so i know it's it's going to need some more help even more so than it did before um, but the first step is getting the, the recognition, getting the parks to uh, say, yep, it's it's here and people should visit it and we're going to save it. So please sign that to uh, help that out. Thanks for having me on. Yes. And uh, plug your books one more time uh, before we hop uh, yeah, out of here. You can find, uh, my books, that's Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for Friendship and A Place Between Time and Space. Uh, you can find links to all of that at chadsofthedead.com. You can also find my articles I write. Um, I write for Paranormality Magazine, great independent publications supporting independent authors and researchers and podcasters and all kinds of paranormal uh, personalities. Uh, <clears throat> go check them out. 
And uh, yeah, you can see all my podcast appearances and stuff there as well. That's chazofthedead.com. And I'm on all the social medias at Chaz of the Dead. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. And like like I said, the last two times that we've talked, I could I could talk to you for hours. I mean, the, the endless, endless subjects. So to my audience, uh, um, I, I thank you for, for tuning in to another episode of My Third Eye. And remember, all you got to do is think for yourself. Well, where do I start? I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Another sapien that's on the globe. Lost cold, looking for the direction, but don't nobody know. The only bit of insight that they ever sold me, I've been start to find out, doesn't really hold. Every highfalutin piece of shit hidden in a tie, high motives to align goals. Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole. Someone gotta die, they don't care, they itemize souls. Tit jobs from Botox to light bulbs, light bulbs in my head of where I might go. I'm on a tightrope, walking the sedge. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, shit And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, yeah Fuck And I've been wondering if, look I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They normalize a real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thought's sick, I'll take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I wanna soul search, find a place to bring in light But I can't cause, fuck I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant It's cap, you were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it, we batshit What we read in the covenant, it's cap We were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it I want the power to shake shit and shift shape Tap into pineal eye without a mistake We have the power to live right and get straight But they found a way to remove this, they bitch made Hey. Keep on calcifying glands with your flow ride while I flow ride the valor of rhyme. I'm flying high by the seat of my pants. A beat speaking to me, know I'm talking back every chance. Hoping one day I make it overseas or to France. But in the Northwest, I trip without a traveling band. Yeah. And that's word to my cat plug. I'm higher than giraffe puss. Look what the cat drug in. Now I'm scribbling this rap in the bathtub. At midnight, I don't fill it up with the tap cup. Soaking in my cannabis suds. Anything for a buzz. Reclaim my residue inside of a dab jug. Peel through a fat stash, burning the last nug. I picture this dimension I don't want to come back from. But here I am, still stuck in the bathtub. My brain fried, but honestly, I'm fine. I'd rather not have one. I'm batshit. I'm fucking bad shit, and it's your fucking fault. It's their fault. Straight up. I'm done. I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant. It's cap, you were fed by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Enough of it.